Welcome to Rumble Strip Vermont. I'm Erica Heilman. In my job as a private investigator, I've learned that a lot of people move a lot. I guess I always figured that most people were like me and grew up in one or two towns, maybe, and now have a reasonably secure address where their mail is delivered. But there are a lot of people who are hard to find because they're living in motels, cars, sleeping on a cousin's couch. There are multiple families living in rotation in an apartment, people living in tents, in campers, until it gets too cold, then they have to think of another plan. And this world of transience is invisible to most people who are not inside it. It runs parallel to the world of stable addresses. We've all seen panhandlers on the street, and we assume these folks are homeless, and maybe they are. But most people who are homeless, you don't see. And some people who are homeless wouldn't even use that word to describe themselves or their lives. Kevin DeMars estimates he's been homeless 10 times in his 58 years. I met with him in his apartment in Rutland, Vermont, and we talked about why he's been homeless so many times and what it was like to live in the woods. It's a difficult and raw conversation at times, and Kevin struggles with some mental health issues that he's been working through in counseling for years. But he talks very clearly about what it's like to be someone who can't always live comfortably in the world of people. Welcome. Can you talk a little bit about your life before you were homeless? You know, My first time of homelessness uh, began with a woman. Being a young man, I was, and she was a young woman at the time. Uh, we had a child. Uh, she became pregnant and had a child, and I agreed with it uh, either way, whatever her decision was, because I felt it was up to her. So I decided that uh, we would uh, become a family, and I stood up and made a proposal and ended up getting married. Well, the first year of the marriage didn't go very well, needless to say, and after that fact, when it broke up, uh, I ended up homeless for the first time in 1981, I think it was. That would have been my first time homeless. Do you remember the day? Do you remember the? Do you was there was I, was I there? I do. A... I do remember the day, and the day was um, when they evicted me out of the of the uh, apartment. And uh, I remember having my tent on my back, and I knew I was I was in a city, a small city in New York, Plattsburgh. And uh, I was thinking, uh, how am I going to get to the Adirondacks? Because I didn't have a vehicle at the time either. So I just felt like uh, I left things in storage at the time and then just took off with my backpack and went to the Adirondack Mountains. What time of year was this? Uh, this was in the spring, yeah, so it was a good time of year. Um, but I spent six months in the mountains in uh, Keene Valley. You get from your this apartment to the Adirondacks. Tell me about that. Well, it was about that... a 50 mile ride to uh, the area where I wanted to be, which was in the high peaks of uh, Keene Valley. These particular area of the woods uh, were not known to hikers and not known to other people uh, as much. So I was in pretty much a desolate, desolate area, you know, where there wasn't much people. So um, I was very comfortable with that because I didn't want to deal with a lot of people, you know, and say, hey, how you doing? What are you doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. It's, I mean, I don't mind some small talk and, and being able to associate, but uh it just wasn't very much as far as uh, something that 
you know, I wanted to do on a daily basis. So that's why I tried to stay away from people as much as I could. So when you, can you talk a little bit about walking into the woods the, the first time? That's a good question. Um, I was very uh, comfortable living in the woods because I'm from the Adirondacks and being from the mountains, uh, I camped and hiked as a young boy all the time. Uh, and I knew how to set traps for squirrels and other things. Although I did not live off the land as much as I would have liked to, fishing and hunting and hiking and finding more food. Uh, it was difficult. When you were living in the tent in Keene Valley, would you have called that being homeless? Um, no, I wouldn't, uh, because I did refer to a lot of times when when I was going to tell you about the people I've met, uh, when they'd ask where I live, I always pointed up on the mountain. And they said, you live on that mountain? I said, yeah, I've been there for four months now, or five months, or whatever it was. And then uh, they'd say, oh, wow, you know, and they said, great. And they'd ask how I was living and this and that, and... Uh, occasionally they'd give me five dollars you know just for food or something and you mentioned earlier um that you know how to trap yeah squirrels C- can, and, did yeah, you do any of that yes yeah, so it was a it was a trip trap and uh basically what i did was is took a, a wooden box and i'd hook up a string to the uh hook up a string to the food that was on the uh trip trap which is a stick that holds the box up Okay, so I would put a little cheese inside there, and uh, once they came in and they tried to take it, it would trip the trap, and then it would come down on top of them. Well, that's half of the job. Now you got to catch it and kill it. Yeah, I mean, you have to literally get in there and grab a hold of it, and that's the hardest part. So I had gloves, you know, because they do bite, and uh, so they're not easy because they can dig out, too. They can get themselves out if they really – you have to – what I would do is is I'd put it close enough to where I'd hear it to the tent. So if I heard it trapped go down or something, I'd run right out and try to get it. So uh, I'd skin it and gut it and, and take what most of the meat I could off it. What did it feel like when you caught one? Oh, it was uh, it was it was almost like there's nobody here to share it with. <laughs> Damn it, you know, darn, you know, hey, look what I did, you know, I got it. <laughs> you know, that was the hard. That was the, not the hard part. That was the ironic part. There was nobody there to share that with. As far as you know, look, I'm doing it. I'm living. One of the spectacular sights I would see before, uh, it was just about maybe uh, 500 yards into the trail, there was a a thing I called the crack in the earth, and it was actually uh, called the flume. And uh, this flume was blocked. uh, It was a big crack in the earth, and it was a big boulder in the middle, and it split the waterfall. It was gorgeous. That was my shower in the morning. That's where I showered and bathed. And uh, I had to climb down some ledges to get to it, but it was very worth it. And then upon leaving that area, you would have to climb another, oh, probably a good half mile to get, maybe a mile to get to my campsite, probably more like a mile. And then once upon my campsite, uh, it was very neat and organized. I didn't keep any food in my campsite, and it was just, you know, like my apartment somewhat, (laughs) nice and neat. And, you know, it's my own place. That's what was nice about it. It was my place. 
and I felt like the only man on earth, <laughs> you know, at times. And then there was other times the loneliness was uh, was difficult. How do you survive the elements? How how have you over the over the years um, survived the elements? Or do you have a story about it's being really tough? The elements you always have to prepare for if you know that's what you're going to do. If you know, you always have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, as they say, you know, good Cub Scouts. Uh, but um, the elements this last time was a little more difficult for me because I didn't have all the clothes I needed from the house that I had to leave. That I left oh, thousands of dollars of stuff. Uh, so it was very difficult with me with the clothes I had on. So now I'm scrounging for more clothes, Salvation Army, wherever I could get it. I got some clothes, and uh, when I was in the woods, and it rained a lot. Although I was keeping relatively dry. That is one of the worst things you want is wet. If you get wet, you're pretty much done through and through as far as, you know, maybe hypothermia setting in or something. There were a couple nights where I was shivering in my bag, and I knew it was it was the onset of hypothermia. So I just kept shivering as much as I could, and, and shivering will help in some ways uh, warm you up. But uh, I lit my camping stove, which is the best source of heat for me. I have what they call a vestibule on the tent. It's where you've got a little area where you can cook, and the heat will flow into the tent. So I would light the stove and then just let it stay on for a little while. But if I fell asleep during that, um, I would worry about... Um, uh, carbon monoxide or worry about using up all my gas you know and stuff like that so I would just let it stay on for like a half hour and then uh, turn it off and so on and so forth but uh, living in the woods when it was snowing and stuff wasn't so bad because the snow isn't wet itself you know it, it is a wet form but uh I'd always keep it away from the tent as much as I could because if the tent's heating up and then it's warming up the snow and melting the snow around the tent, so on and so forth. So uh, in order to uh, live in the woods, especially when it's uh, snowing and, and cold, it's just a matter of the right equipment, keep moving, and uh, and just hope for the best a lot of times. Can you Can you talk a little bit about how the day goes when you're living in your tent in the woods how does the day move yeah well the day moves very slow as you get older too uh i'm 58 now so as i got older i realized uh the woods is not for an older man but uh my day would start by first thing i'd turn on npr uh radio and I just lay there in my bag and kind of contemplate what I'm going to do for the day, depending on the weather, of course. And then uh, after that, I would get my camping stove out and prepare to make a breakfast, depending on what I would have with me if I needed the stove or not, you know, because I always had a cooler that I would keep my food in. And since it was pretty cool out anyways, it would stay relatively fresh for a couple days if I bought anything in a town. Uh, what was nice about being homeless in some ways is that my social security check could go towards uh, food and other things. I found myself, though, buying dinners and doing $8 dinners here, $10 dinners here, and I realized I'm spending way too much money on food. i got to stop this. It's convenient for me, 
But uh, so I started cooking more at camp. During the during the day, as the morning would progress, um, a lot of times I would just wonder, yeah, what am I going to do today? I can do whatever I damn well please, you know. And, and if it pleases me, then I'll be happy. If it doesn't, then somebody else is going to be very unhappy. Uh, if you if ten if ten times you have gone from a residence in town or you know living among people right mm -hmm. to living in the woods do you get a feeling that it's going to happen again i mean i um yes and no in a lot of ways uh this last homelessness uh happened upon me because of my own actions in a way um uh, i probably shouldn't have did what i did but i did it and i'm I'm not regretting it in a lot of ways. Um, I was in living in a house. Uh, I just left a house uh, that I was kicked out of, and uh, I found a room for rent for $400, unbeknownst to me. They were growing marijuana, and uh, that wasn't a problem with me if it was all adults. But there was children in the house, so I turned the guy in on... Uh, charges of uh, feeding his children marijuana laced butter and some other stuff so uh but uh when i left there i had nothing i had nothing in nothing i was at the mission and uh how many how many homeless shelters have you spent time in over uh, the i spent homeless shelter time uh three times in homeless shelters i never cared for them because again i i felt too uncomfortable being around everybody else you know waking up in the middle of the night and you hear the snores and the different people again you're so close quartered you're only three feet away from each other on those beds at the homeless shelter here in rutland um I I didn't mind it for the most part. I felt it was going to be a stepping stone. It would have gave me time to save money in order to put down on the apartment and so on and so forth. But it didn't happen. They didn't give me that time. Uh, so did you, did you um, in each case, did you end up in the woods after the homeless shelter time? Yes, all the time. Yeah, I'd always end up in the woods. It, there was no other way around it. And when you... Is there a relief that has always come to you at the beginning of this time in the woods? I mean, is there is there something that a familiar something that you're getting? Yeah, I almost feel like you've been homeless, <laughs> or or you you really maybe like the idea of uh, maybe uh, being homeless because I, I don't know how you can tell a person what it's like to be homeless unless they experience it to a degree. Although um, I guess. I'm sorry, I forgot your question. Well, I you were well, you what, you're getting something that you want. Is that true? Yeah, it, well, you're getting peace and tranquility. Uh, obviously, I think most people that go into the woods, uh, I think they're looking for that that blissness, you know, it, it, that peacefulness, that being attached to uh, the the nature as opposed to being able to go back home and get into your bed. Uh, I go into the woods, I get that peaceful feeling, and when I'm setting up my tent, it's the best feeling. It's my home, you know. I got it all set up, got all my stuff in there. Now what do I do? <laughs>
What was your relationship to people and to getting in and out of town when you were mm, living in the that's woods? That's a good question. Um, my uh, access into town was the bus, which was wonderful. It was only a dollar ride. They dropped me off right at the trailhead. And then in the morning, across the street, they would pick me up to come into town. A lot of times I would hitchhike in order to get into town before the bus came. More than likely, I'd get picked up. My hangout was the uh, coffee exchange. They loved me there. They just thought I was a helping hand. I would help them clean tables now and then because I was using their Internet service. So I felt like, you know, I wasn't buying things at times because I couldn't afford it. They said, oh, don't worry about that. You know, relax. You know, this is, you know, this is your place as much as ours. And I felt at home there, and I made some new friends. And But uh, there were three days where I went without coming out of the woods, and uh, I didn't see anybody. And uh, it didn't bother me at all. And that was the pleasure of uh, doing living, living like I was. It didn't matter to anybody whether I did or not. And uh, my thoughts and my beliefs on let's call it the meaning of life whatever you want to call it I I feel like I've finally reached a plateau where I can't go any higher in my beliefs the things that should matter don't matter the things that don't matter to a lot of people matter to me Do you not want to live in the world the way the world is? I don't. That's a very good question. Um, I I don't, but I have to. This is the only world we have. You've been in and out of, let's say, a regular life, a Mm -hmm. life, you know, paying rent, um, you know, buying groceries at the store. Is that... what What does normal look like to you exactly normal (laughs) quote unquote normal oh my goodness normal i guess normal would be the person that you go see every day at the store she's at the register or he's doing his job or they're doing their and then you go back the week later they're doing the same thing you go back the week later doing the same thing that's normal people i'm not normal i did not i don't think i've ever had a job with the exception of maybe 30 years ago, working indoors at a constant job. I'm not made for that, for some reason, whatever the reasons may be. Uh, Some doctors may be able to explain it. Um, Normal would be, you know, the car, the house, the wife, the kids. Um, I'm not in that picture. Um, I don't think I'll ever will be. I, actually, I know I won't be at my age, but uh, I feel relieved and uh, glad that I don't have a car. And uh, it's just one of those extra responsibilities that I try to uh, get away from because you got the insurance, you got the oil, you got the gas, you got this, you got the registration, you got that, and you got the. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I've got enough stuff on my plate now. I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. And I really don't. What does the you know, the normal world not understand about homelessness? 
those people, I, I don't think they really recognize us. I think a lot of society tends to just turn their heads like we were talking earlier with their blinders on. You know, they don't look left or right. They just look straight ahead. And we're always on the left or right or behind people. We're not in front of them. They see us, but they, they refuse to acknowledge us. They know we're there. It's almost like when you're not getting along with somebody too well and you see them in the uh, grocery store or something and you know they saw you when they turn away, when they don't want you to notice that they saw you or anything like that. It's that feeling I get sometimes from people. Um, it's like, you know, oh, I know you're there and uh, I know you know I'm here, but I'm not. In other words, I'm not in your mind here. So you've basically banished me from your life. And uh, I think that's the way homeless people are. They're banished from uh, normal life, I guess you want to say, as you did before. Did you ever have visitors to your camp, or was that a very private place for no, you? No, I only had one visitor, and that was my brother. He came from Pennsylvania to help me out because I had, uh, I had a torn rotator cup, and uh, he came for three days. He couldn't, hang, couldn't hack it. Had to go back. To, had to go back. He just couldn't take it. He didn't want to camp out, and it was rainy, and it was cold at the time, and, you know, he wasn't in the situation that I was as far as being able to live in nature and find comfortability in the worst times of the weather, whether it be, you know, you know, late at night, you can't sleep, you know, it's like night lasts for days, and days last for weeks, you know, and it's like, oh my goodness, when am I going to get out of here? Or do I want to get out of here? Where am I going to go? What do I want to do? Uh, at one point, the uh, judicial system was actually trying to pay me to leave town and they would say we'll give you a bus ticket anywhere I said no I like Rutland I like Vermont I'm staying here uh, I'm not leaving so I'll face whatever you guys want to dish out and it's when you I also imagine that it that those those items in your tent what you had there was what you had exactly so what was it like when you left the tent for the day and you left all that you had there oh that's a good that's a good point too i was worried but you know most of the time when you pitch a tent in the woods 95 percent of those people that go into the woods to hike aren't there to do any damage or cause any problems to anybody i felt if i was camping closer to town if i was in more of a uh uh uh, populated area, I would be taking more chances. That's why I wanted to go deeper into the woods as opposed to just being close to town. I, I did pick a great spot, and uh, it was somewhat off the trail, although I did see tracks one day in the snow getting like 20 feet away from my tent, then they just backed off. So I was like, here, yeah, there. The stuff I left in my tent during the day, uh, there was a lot of stuff that, yes, it, it would have sucked if I would have had it taken, but I figured, well, if they're going to actually come into my tent, take this sort of things that, that I that I need to live on, maybe in my mind I can justify that by saying maybe they needed it more. When you're living, when you're homeless, and every um, everything that you have you have to be able to move fairly mm, easily. Sure, yes. 
Was there any one object or what was what was your most precious object? What was something that you loved the most? Yes, I, the tent, like um, uh, the tent, uh, like I wouldn't give it up because that's my shell. I mean, that's that's my hideout. That's my safe place. I felt uh, I, I I felt like I was in a cocoon or an embryo. You know, I felt like I was in this nice, cozy, warm sack. You know, because you're in your sleeping bag, and I had a cover over my sleeping bag, and I had a tent, and so now I'm just so cozy and feeling warm all over, and going, yes, I'm doing it. I'm 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 doing it. You know, there. So when you pack up what's that experience like? what's the actual parting with this place that's been your yeah, well i have to say then the actual parting of this place was is that i'll be back i'll be back <laughs> you know and it was like one of those things where um it, it's almost like a rich man having um 10 homes he could you know if he got tired of one home or if he was using one home for a seasonal home i felt rich <sighs> Well, I felt like I own all these places around the Adirondacks. I feel like I own some of those spots because I'm the only one that knows of it. When you look forward now, when you look ahead into your life, mm -hmm. do you imagine that you'll be homeless again? I do. I feel like um, this is really not my home. This is just a rental place. I'm only renting it from somebody. But no, I, I feel like I, I will definitely be homeless again someday. I, I don't know when and where, but uh, I, I do feel it. I, I do feel it. And I, I welcome it sometimes, actually. And other times I'm like, oh, no, you're comfortable here, you know, and this and that. And I, it's, it's hard for me to get comfortable, you know, some places. I, I think homelessness is, is always going to be a uh, factor in my life till I probably end up dying at some point because it's, it's always been a part of my life. For now... Kevin lives in an efficiency apartment in Rutland, Vermont. Two chairs and a bed. A little kitchen with all the spices lined up and face front. It's tidy and trim like a well-maintained campsite. And I imagine it's very much like what his tent looks like when he's living in the woods. I want to thank Joyce Cloutier of Veterans, Inc. for introducing me to Kevin and for the good work she does. You've been listening to Rumble Strip, Vermont. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks for listening.